Welcome to another episode of our Ag Plus Bio Plus Science podcast presented by Agrinovus Indiana and Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick, the host of Inside Indiana Business, also the host of this weekly podcast where we have in-depth conversations with the leaders, innovators, and entrepreneurs in Indiana's ag bioscience sector. It's the sector where food, agriculture, science, and technology all converge. This week, excited to sit down with Christian Bloink, the Senior Director of Global Research and External Innovation at Elanco. Kristen, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. We always like to start with kind of the path has brought you to where you are today. Give us a little bit of the background where you grew up. Sure. So I grew up in Iowa, born in Ohio, um, very much been a Midwesterner. And my, uh, I guess, initial professional journey or confusion was I knew I wanted to be a clinician, but I couldn't decide whether I was interested in veterinary medicine or human medicine. And so followed my path at the University of Iowa, worked on a degree in medicine and Mm -hmm. became a PA. And I thought that would be the bridge to earning a little bit of money to pay for Mm -hmm. veterinary school. Ultimately, it did that. Um, But one of the things that happened for me along the way was I think I became an aficionado of One Health before Mm -hmm. One Health was truly a thing. When I went off and got my Master's of Public Health and then went off and got my DVM and and based on the human background, got super excited about how they intersect and got Mm -hmm. excited about zoonotic diseases and got excited about good nutrition and and how really the animal and the human health interface um, had such power in it. But I was also frustrated because I realized that both of these communities weren't communicating in the way that they probably should be to be most successful for society. So fast forward, you know, worked as a clinician in human medicine, worked as a clinician in veterinary practice, then followed my heart to being a U.S. Army, mm-hmm. um, actually PA as well as veterinarian, and then discovered really along the way that we're missing tools. In human medicine, we're still missing lots of science that could be making differences for patients, and we're also missing lots of tools in veterinary medicine. And there's so much great science that could be flowing into veterinary medicine that we just haven't kind of dialed that in yet. And so that led me to a pharmaceutical industry experience. And so I joined Novartis Animal Health about 12 years ago worked my way up through the ranks in R&D, worked in vaccines, worked in small molecule, worked across the different platforms. And that really led to now my mm-hmm. position at Elanco leading research and external innovation. I still on the perfect day feel like we're advancing science for veterinary patients, but perhaps we're translating that from human or we're even sending information mm-hmm. back to human. That's a perfect day in my professional existence. How, in your view, has the integration of uh, Novartis and Elanco, how has that gone? And what, for folks who don't know, everyone knows the Elanco name, but I think some people still don't realize the significant presence in the research firepower and the things going on at Elanco's headquarters in Greenfield. I mean, Elanco has really an interesting history, as most, quite quite frankly, most animal health companies do. Elanco, we're a new startup company basically, by definition, being only a standalone for the last year and a half, but we have a 66-year history. Elanco has been a significant entity in, in food animal medicine for that 66 years. One of the things that happened with the Novartis acquisition was adding a lot of diversity and fuel to Elanco's portfolio, primarily bringing vaccine as a platform technology and many products in that space, as well as bringing the companion animal piece. The other thing that it brought was a very very heavy focus on internal research. Elanco had a heavy focus on using external research. The right answer for Elanco today and the future will be a good balance of both internal and external innovation flowing in. The thing also that happened with the Novartis acquisition is Elanco became even more global, which today I think is most important. I mean, we talk about the mission of Elanco or the vision of Elanco being food and nutrition enriching lives. And we we talk about that in a global context. So we want to be making a 
difference across all the continents in the world in terms of feeding the world. You are a Midwesterner, a Big Ten person, uh, if you will, but this your first move and experience really in Indiana, right? As you look at the ag bioscience landscape with the Lanco and some of the other assets, the academic institutions and all those things that are present here, how do you look at Indiana and its position in the ag bioscience space? Actually quite impressed. And I'm a bit of a snob growing up in Iowa, but quite mm-hmm. frankly, as I moved to Indiana and I started looking at what was going on in the various agricultural sectors in Indiana, even though Indiana frequently is not number one in any of the commodities sectors, mm-hmm. there's great science and technology going on and great foundation, I, I would say, especially from Purdue. As a land-grant university with very strong agricultural department, strong veterinary school, we are finding great collaboration there. And in mm-hmm. fact, we just recently signed a master agreement with Purdue, allowing us to very quickly move into lots of spaces where we see a strong inter- intersect between Elanco and Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite impressed with, again, university innovation that's going on and infrastructure. Um, and then, again, quite impressed with the momentum that mm-hmm. existing um, in the agricultural business when this within the state of Indiana that I think is be- becoming or has been become re- most recently mm-hmm. quite influential across the Midwest and, and I think also globally. As the human population continues to increase, uh, the world economy continues to shift, there's an increased demand and need for protein. Yet this comes at a time when consumer viewpoints on modern livestock production uh, seems to be changing as well. As you look at these trends in developing, how do they affect Alanco's business and research priorities really? Yeah, so I think, you know, very confident to say that animal protein is and will continue to be quite an important component of nutrition across the globe. Um, Obviously, if you look at various cultures and subpopulations of people, you'll find a different mix of animal protein, and in some cases, even a lack of animal protein in diets for certain groups of people. But in general, animal protein is a key component of nutritional scheme. And in fact, I was just actually sitting, I was in London last week and and working with an NGO um, that is very much focused on stunting and nutrition for young children and talking about the importance of recent research on diversity of early food exposure, which includes meat proteins mm-hmm. as well as milk and eggs. And so I think I was interesting to see how even the nutritionists are pushing us in the direction of recognizing the importance of mm-hmm. animal-based proteins. So in our world, I mean, again, Elanco's got this lovely 66-year history of some really important food animal products, but science has evolved. And as the head of research, I mean, one of the spaces that I'm most interested in is how do we continue to use that new technology coming along to even meet customer needs better. And in the world of lots of um, customers really paying attention these days to what they're eating, how do we even use those technologies to make customers feel more comfortable about what they're consuming? And so there is just amazing amount of science right now that allows us to sort of, you know, come up with that next wave of ways that we manage disease states in animals, how we improve productivity, and how we really do that better. You lead R&D initiatives. As you look at animal ag tech areas, are there certain areas that you think are poised to be disruptive? I like and I dislike the word disruptive mm-hmm. because I guess as a science geek and as a technology mm-hmm. uh, focused person, I think a lot of things are just, they're going to become mainstream. Right now they feel maybe disruptive from mm-hmm. a science perspective, but as we dial them in, they're going to be quite significant. And I would say one of the big things is, you know, microbiome, 
right? Mm -hmm. So understanding what's really going on in the skin, what's going on in the gut of the animal, and actually, quite frankly, the humans as well, Mm -hmm. and allowing us to bring technologies forward that finesse what's going on in those spaces that helps us prevent disease, perhaps treat disease, and improve productivity. I think that's right now feels maybe slightly disruptive because it feels like maybe some core products are being supplanted by probiotics, prebiotics, and enzymes. But reality is I think those are some of the tools of the future. Um, And we're heavily invested in those spaces and think they're quite Mm -hmm. significant. I also think vaccine technologies are progressing quite significantly. Historically, we've used a couple of different approaches to vaccines, modified live and killed vaccines. Future state, we've got ways to really sort of use vector um, technologies, use nucleic acid technologies, where we're actually able to very quickly assemble a vaccine, multiple antigens or disease states that we might be interested in, and actually do manufacturing in more of a tabletop, smaller footprint than we have historically been able to do. And I think that's really important for the producer because it allows us to very quickly come up with a solution, especially Mm -hmm. when we have something that might be emerging as a disease Mm -hmm. state that's a significant problem. When you look at ag tech innovation, is there a dominant source for ag tech innovation? Is it coming from the universities, coming from the corporate world? What what do you see in that regard? Yeah, so actually, I just, I just came from last week, um, the Animal Health Investment Forum. It's a meeting that started about five years ago, uh, started in London, has continued in London, and it was pulling together basically the large animal health companies, medium-sized animal health companies, biotech startup companies that are focused on animal health as well as those in human health that are translating over, and then the investment community. Five years ago, that meeting only had 50 people attending it. This year, it had over 500. Part of that meeting structure is that you do partnering, and so you're meeting a lot of these little companies and listening to what their science is and their technology is, and just the quality of what we were seeing this year, the last year, last couple of years, compared to that first or second Mm -hmm. year, just amazing. Mm -hmm. And so, really, it is for the most part, small biotech companies, a lot of human companies that tend to spin off or or have carrying along an animal health sort of focus. Um, And then it's universities. One of the things that's missing in animal health quite significantly is a lot of basic science research. And Mm -hmm. even when we look at what's going on in the human and we try to translate it over, we say, well, this works this way in a human. There's a similar disease state in a cow, but do we really know that it translates? Is the Mm -hmm. same, you know, is the immune system work the same way? Does the biology work the same way? And we need to validate that to be able to really translate the technologies. And so universities are great at doing that. That's part of their bread and butter is understanding mechanisms and understanding mm-hmm. biology. And so so those universities are key. Sometimes the universities come up with assets that mm-hmm. work well into our portfolio as well. But it's really the startup companies and then the human biotech sector and then the universities that are helping us most. Talent uh, is certainly an issue across all sectors of the economy in Indiana and and elsewhere. As you look at the talent needs at Elanco, talk about those needs. Are they changing? But what really are those those talent needs at, at Elanco? Yeah, they certainly are. Um, and that's actually one of the things that we're enjoying with the Purdue relationship is as part of our agenda with Purdue is to also think about, you know, are they, you know, growing and, mm-hmm. and developing the talent that will need future state? But if we go back and we think about microbiome, we think about um, new vaccine platform technologies, just as good examples is, you know, protein engineering is 
huge in that space. And, mm-hmm. and protein engineering historically as a discipline um, has been there, but it hasn't had nearly the emphasis and, and it was in the attractiveness to young people. Yep. So that's a space where we need to see that structural biology back to that sort of, is the biology really working? Is it working the same as in a cow as it is in a person or mm-hmm. a pig? Um, that's key as well. And so those are a couple areas just as nice examples. Mm-hmm. Um, just um, formulations technology. There's a lot of move in human medicine as well as animal medicine is can we give drugs that last longer? You know, mm-hmm. can we give an antibiotic or can we give a product once for pain and have it work for seven days or 14 days or whatever? And so that pharmaceutical science and technology um, mm-hmm. is a space that needs a lot more vigor. And then certainly data analytics and digital technologies, right? So um, one of the things that I was really proud coming over from Novartis Animal Health or coming over with that group into Elanco was in Novartis Animal Health, we were very product focused. We sold the product like a like a historical pharmaceutical company. Elanco was very holistic in its view and continues to be so. And, and going out and talking to a producer, looking at all the data that was available from their production system, looking at the animals, understanding the disease state present, and then coming up with a composite solution, sometimes um, with our products, sometimes with our products mm-hmm. and other products, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, not always Elanco-centric, uh, but coming up with a solution approach for that producer. And so moving forward, you know, digital readouts from wearable technologies, mm-hmm. uh, being able to better data analyze what's going on in patterns that you're seeing. One of the things that I'm super excited about lately is in, you know, flocks of birds or groups of swine in a confinement sort of situation, you know, just simply watching their movement patterns mm-hmm. um, can give you hints as to whether you've got a disease state starting to emerge or, or a stress situation perhaps in an animal welfare concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but just simple things like that all the way to can we capture, you know, real-time temperature data, rumination data, mm-hmm. um, heart rate, um, movement mm-hmm. data, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think that's really powerful, but we have to have data analysts that can look at that information and, and help us figure out what's going on. It just isn't a data set. Kristen Bloink is the Senior Director of Global Research and External Innovation at Alanco. Kristen, thanks uh, for your insights uh, this week. Thanks for being here on the uh, Ag Bioscience Podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Ag Plus Bio Plus Science Podcast. It is a weekly production partnership between Agronovus Indiana and Inside Indiana Business. A reminder, you can keep up to date with Agronovus by following them on Twitter and Instagram at IN. Also finding them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Also, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can share ag bioscience stories like this one with more and more people. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business. Hosted by Gary Dick. Produced by Bridget O'Reilly, Libby Fritz, and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana Business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.